Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 275. I am Zonner. I am Zook. And it is a Sunday evening, which means this episode may or may not come out Monday morning. Well, you know, it happens. But I accept full responsibility for that because I had a baby who was highly unpredictable. Yes, how dare you have a life and a family? I know. I'll tell you what, though. It's kind of funny because uh, Thursday night when we were originally going to record, yeah, she wasn't having any of the whole sleeping thing. She was up all night. And last night when we were going to record, she decided to just sleep all night long. So we could have recorded, but the highly unpredictable nature of a seven-week-old still makes that a, a dicey proposition. Right, right. In fact, I'm surprised she's unconscious now. I don't think she is, actually. She was awake when I came downstairs, but my wife is home to deal with her. Excellent. Well, hey, um, shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, stitcher.com, oh, geez, WP Hosting, WP Cycle Hosting, excuse me, WPCycle.com, web hosting. There we go. Did you say Radio KSUR. What was that? Geek Factor. Geek Factor. I'm, you always interrupt me in the middle of doing these. <laughs> Did you remember to say this one? No, because I haven't finished yet. You looked like you were done, though. And Geek Factor Radio. Thank you. <laughs> was that all of them? Yes. Okay. And our Pokemon overlords for allowing us the time to record this show. Yeah, but you've been sitting there. You don't even need to go out of your house because they just come to you. Whereas if you go I'm, to my neighborhood, it's like the Sahara. I'm the Pokemon Whisperer. Apparently so. And then they file the restraining order and there's no more whispering. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, Mr. Mime looks like a total sex offender. <laughs> you know... Children are terrified of clowns for two reasons. Stephen King's It and Mr. Mime. Uh, yeah. And Lickitung looks like a crazy cross between like some kind of kinky sex thing and an H.P. Lovecraft monster. Tentacles? Hentai? We yeah, no, Lickitung. Yeah. Oh, fun. Oh, fun. Yeah, well, we're, we're under three minutes in and yeah we've derailed we've hey we already. got feedback yeah well you know it's interesting though because we were talking about this before the show still pokemon go is like the tech story out there yeah yeah sorry i'm i'm pulling up a picture here and it, it's an appropriate picture it's of paul our listener and his wife Yes. Okay, so this is part of our feedback. I previously made the crack about him, because he's Scottish, you know. Uh, he must be drunk and violent. Yes. And I yes. said, no, that's the Irish. Yeah, well, no, he writes back. He says, I'm drunk and violent. <laughs> nice. Um, he also writes that he's currently battering some Austri Austrians with his wife on a scout trip, and he sent a selfie of he and his wife. And yes, he, he is a Scot. You can tell he's a Scot. Because he's and wearing so, a kilt with and bagpipes? So is she. No, no, no. There's no bagpipes or kilts in this. Um, no, you can just tell. He's a Scot. Uh, Paul, I'm actually part Scottish myself. Uh, the Gardeners and the, uh, and the Hendersons from the Highlands. Um, that, that's where I trace my, part of my ancestry back to, um, which I know, by the way, if anyone's listening to this, I know that those are like two of the most common last names in history. So I realize I'm not the only one who can trace back there. I thought you were going to say you're part of like the, the Arakakis from the Highlands. but Yes, yes. We're Scottish Okinawans. <laughs> <laughs> we're very rare. Um, no, no, I, my, my, going up my mom's side, a little bit of background here for our listeners. Uh, we have Gardner's, Henderson's, Smith's, Jones, Johnson. Like we have like a cadre of the most common last names ever that all decided to go down into one family and lead to me, which is why I tell people I'm half Japanese and half everything else because it's true. So yeah, you, we, we're a little bit more um, 
a, a little bit more specific than you. We're the Zoners and the Zollingers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot of us running around. Yeah, so well, probably nice for of you to stay at the end of the alphabet like that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we also have feedback from Glue, um, and he says this shiz is lame. It says, I'm currently living in this world with a Windows phone, but apparently this is not something I should be doing. Niantech <laughs> doesn't think I should have Ingress or Pokemon Go. Having a major lack of popular apps has got me thinking of a new phone. But which OS and what phone should I switch to? A Samsung Galaxy? A Nexus? iPhone? That one's a joke. What phones do you guys have? I'm too lazy to go back two-ish episodes and listen to what you both said, which phones you have. Thanks. Um, well, so... It shouldn't surprise you that Pokemon Go and Ingress weren't on Windows Phone because Niantic is a spinoff from Google. In fact, when they launched Ingress, they were still Google. Yeah, it, it was a Google Google app. Yeah, it was a, it was a Google Labs company. Um, so yeah, um, I loved my Windows Phone when it came out. And I tell people this all the time. I loved it. I loved it, loved it. Because it could do everything that any other phone could do. And it could do it better. But they just didn't keep up with it, which meant that it fell behind. And nowhere did it fall further behind faster than was in the App Store. And so you're absolutely right. Um, I've been doing a bit of research for you here, Glue, over the last week since you sent this in. I believe you would be best served. Uh, before you, I go on, uh, Zoner and I both have Galaxy S7s. Um, Schmitty has an LG V10. And I think Colin has a rock or something. It's whatever the newest one from Apple is. Yeah, he goes through phones faster than he goes through lives. Yes, yes. Um, if only he could stick to a phone like he sticks to a woman. But then restraining orders? Yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that one. Anyway, so my suggestion to you, sir, would be try and find a Galaxy S6 Active. The 6, Double, not the 7, huh? Not the 7 here. Uh, and there's a reason why. The S7 is awesome. Best phone I've ever owned. I love it. Uh, and you'd be well served by one. But where the S7 has um, the waterproofing, the active line has twice the battery size. So it has the waterproofing. It has twice as big a battery. It has the ruggedized uh chassis so you can drop it and it's okay it has the oled screen so it's daylight readable but the s7 active is like 800 dollars and only on at&t not to mention a lot of reviews have come back and said that it's not nearly as waterproof as the run-of-the-mill s7 so i would say try and find an s6 active you can get it for half the price it still has the waterproofing dust proofing huge battery um it's ruggedized so it'll be impact free when you drop it uh, and it should be on all sorts of different carriers. Plus you have the daylight readable screen. And I came up with this, not just because I, I did all this research for you, but this is a common thread amongst ingress players. So it's not like it hasn't been asked before. Well, I think it's a common thread among, among um, the circles in which we run. Well, yeah. Yeah. But this has been something that Ingress players have been dealing with for years. Which ones get the best cell service? Which ones have the fastest GPS lock? Which ones have the longest battery life? Which ones have the best screen for daylight reading? If you're going to be doing it in an area that might rain or snow, which ones have waterproofing? So, and one nice thing I will say for the newest generation, if you go with a V10 or an S7 or anything like that, the quick charge function on my phone has saved me many a day now because I'm going down in battery life super fast. Plug it into a quick charger. Hour later, I'm back up to 90%. Yeah, it's nice. That, that yeah. quick charge functionality is really sweet. Um, anything to add there, Zoner? No, I think that I think that that's probably good. And you know, I like how you reference the Ingress players because the Ingress players and the Pokemon players all there's a lot of uh, cross pollination between those two groups, and so and not like in the literal sense because let's face it, we're nerds, we don't get women. But um, yeah, I, I think that that's that's kind of smart because people are going to be looking for the same types of things. For mm -hmm. Pokemon the battery Go. life especially. Yeah. You know, I found, though, that the battery life with the S7 is quite 
quite good playing Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, we should stick with that vein, though. Um, Pokemon was our big story from last last week, um, and it's only gotten bigger. I don't think we had any way of guessing how big it was going to be. I was kind of surprised that it didn't it, die out after the first week. Because, you know, normally uh, when a new app comes out, you see a huge spike right at the beginning and then a lot of drop-off. But it doesn't seem to be going that way. Yeah, national news outlets are talking about it, which is unusual, if I'm being perfectly honest. They're kind of mocking us, though, too. Yeah, they are, until you switch to the um, the financial news, where they are going ape over it. This app, which has been out for a week, has added an estimated $11 billion to Nintendo's valuation. That's a pretty good ROI. That's more than any console has ever added back to their value. Really? I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it's a huge amount. This app has been downloaded and is used now so much that it is used more than Tinder, than Twitter, than... Oh, geez, what's the other one? I think it's used more than Facebook and Instagram, too, isn't it? And, and Snapchat, yep. It is now used more on Android devices than porn. I thought that, that sounds was, like a joke. Yeah, but, I thought that was pretty awesome. When you start looking at the search results, Pokemon Go is like dwarfing any porn-related search results. That sounds like a joke. That sounds like a joke, but it's not. Truth be told, usually porn's kind of the driver of most mobile industries. Most technologies actually get driven forward by porn. E-commerce. E-commerce wouldn't exist in the form it has now if it weren't for porn. VHS and Betamax. The war was won because the porn industry adopted one and not the other. Not quite true, but that's... That's true. It's not true. (laughs) They actually adopted both. They they hedged their bets. But anyway, yeah, so this is huge. It is so huge that Niantic has been busting out server updates, trying to keep up with the demand. And for a while there, like Thursday, Friday, I was able to play regularly without any server issues. It only started having problems again Saturday when everyone else was off work and suddenly flooding the servers again. Yeah. Yeah, I actually went out with my family Friday night. It was it was after dark. We went to two different parks, and I could not believe how many people were out playing. It was It was straight up amazing. It was cool. It was cool. And the cool thing, my wife would disagree. She said nobody was talking to anybody else. But I talked to other players, and I found out where that Charmander was. But they were all talking, you know, they may have been talking about the game, but they were talking. Um, I had to go pick up my wife from the airport late last Saturday. And I figure, okay, I don't have to be there till like a half hour past midnight. Uh, it's 11 o'clock now, so I went to a nearby park. It's 11 o'clock at night. There's five Pokestops. All of them have lures. So, yeah, I'm going to go. And there was like <laughs> 60 people wandering around in the park in the dark. Yeah. All chatting with each other, all being really helpful. You know, it's bizarre. And it's kind of funny that it's taken this game. Well, and, and like even yesterday on Saturday, I'm waiting for my tires to get done. I took a walk. I ran across 12 other people. At one point, I head to a gym, and there's these two other guys who are just kind of waiting around. And they turn to me, and they're like, are you Team Valor? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, great. So are we. We're trying to take on this gym. Come join us. I'm like, okay. By the way, I'm Zook. They're like, hi. I'm, you know, and they gave me their names. It's funny because it's taken a game to teach this younger generation, myself included, the joy of being social with the people you run into on the street, which is something that has been lost for the past couple generations. Well, I remember as a kid, you know, there were a lot, especially in Utah. I mean, we had some pretty bad serial killers who were kidnappers, yeah, kidnappers and taking kids and doing horrible things. Yeah, we call those kidnappers. Well, they were serial killers, too. They killed them. Uh, it, it's interesting because my dad actually knew... Um, Gary Bishop quite well. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. He, he knew him quite well. Always thought he was a freak. Uh, turned out he was right. Uh, but growing up, I remember 
walking. I was probably, I don't know, eight or nine years old. And I'm walking down the street, and I see these two ladies driving down the street. And looking back now, I think, oh, they were probably looking for an address. But they were talking, and they pointed in my direction and started to come towards me in their car. And I thought, oh, it's on. And I ran. But that was that was my childhood. I, I We were taught for the last few generations to fear strangers. Yeah, we, and as a parent, I still teach my kids that. Yeah. Yeah, but you're not supposed some, to do that. Talk to these people because you will die a yeah. horrible death. There's something to be said, however, for the art of being able to strike a conversation with someone at a bus stop. Someone who you share nothing in common other than the fact that you happen to be there at the same time they are right then. I have to go through airports frequently for work. I travel for work. And it's a skill you pick up there as well. Yeah. Because guess what? In the At the end of the day, we're all still sitting here in this ticket counter line together. We're all in TSA security line together. If anything, we're sharing this moment. So why not be friendly and sociable to each other? And now it's just teaching us to do that with Pokemon. You know, you say you're standing in the security line, TSA, sharing the moment, and all I can think of is getting felt up by some security agent with their blue gloves, and such a happy, uncomfortable, awful moment. Hey, I got something to share with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just that's just awful. But yeah, this has really kind of become a a cultural phenomenon, and it's not just in the U.S. It's worldwide. And for the haters out there, I realize there's no haters who listen to our show. If you listen to our show, chances are good you're probably a geek. And that's okay. We love you for it. We are too. But there are people out there who are hating on it. Oh, big time. And it's like, look, dude, see which way the wind's blowing. This thing has been downloaded so many times, it is now officially the largest mobile game ever to hit the U.S. Ever. At that point, it's time to stop making fun of it and just accept it for what it is. Stop hating on the people who are playing it, because guess what? They're now the mainstream. You're the weirdo. Well, and it's interesting, too, because a lot of these people who are hating on it will be drafting their fantasy football teams in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And so (laughs) everybody's got their thing. We've talked about it before. You don't need to hate people for their thing unless their thing is killing children in the back of your van. Then that's okay. Oh, or their van. Or their van. Yeah. I mean, granted, I don't want it happening in the back of mine either, but... Yeah. Did I say yours? I don't know. Yes, Whatever. you did. Whatever. I have a comfy van. I couldn't it blame is, them. Yeah, yeah. I, I can I stretch out on that on that back bench, take a nap afterwards. <laughs> never, I'm, never mind. I'm going to stop right there. Um, but Now, T... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting to me that there is just so much hate and vitriol towards this. It's like, guess what? Many of these people have jobs. Some of them have kids they're doing it for. Some, and guess what? Some people, it's just summertime and they're teenagers. You know, we were joking about that the other night because it was, it was about 10, 15 at night. We were at the park and my wife said, man, there's a lot of kids out tonight. I said, yeah, it's a nice summer night for this. And then I said, what's going to happen when it's 13 degrees outside in the middle of January? <laughs> then the hardcore players are become visible. D- guess what? I've gone through this with Ingress, okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've been there too. So. Yep. Um, so we've joked about T-Mobile's Tuesdays before and what crappy deals they are and how horribly they're lined up. Ooh, you can own a quarter of a share of T-Mobile. No, Ooh, it, you can, it was a full share. I got it, a full share. A quarter share per line. If you have four lines, it's a full share. Okay. Um, ooh, you can order a pizza and not get it. Ooh. You know, they did do something with MLB, though, Major League Baseball, and I got a I got a New York Mets shirt. And you know what? They're doing something with Pokemon Go. It's awesome, isn't it? This is the smartest bit of marketing ever. If you have T-Mobile and you download the T-Mobile Tuesday app this coming week, so the, what is that, the 19th? Yes. You will be able to register for free data for Pokemon Go for a year. Oh, they're doing that through T-Mobile Tuesday, huh? They are. They are. And you can also enter to win 
a uh, a battery charger, so like a, an extra battery for your phone that you just plug a USB cable into. Like this is the smartest bit of marketing ever. You know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. John Legere is a genius with this company and the stuff he's doing. Absolute genius. I saw him tweet out the other day that data usage on T-Mobile's network had quadrupled since Pokemon Go came out. I believe it. And then a few days later, he comes out and says, oh, by the way, we're going to give you Pokemon Go players free data until next August. Yeah, so my phone um, now gets free data for Pokemon Go, uh, for Pandora, for um, Spotify. Netflix. Netflix. YouTube. YouTube. Um, Really, the only data it pulls anymore is email and Facebook. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I have a two gig plan. And guess what? I never hit my cap. I've got a six gig plan. And Dude, downgrade. You don't need to pay for that now. And they roll it over. What yeah. you don't use, they they just roll over, which is awesome, too. I don't think we've talked about that, but they've started doing the old, what is it, singular wireless thing? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, so with anything this big, of course, it's going to draw some people. I think we talked about it last week. Maybe we didn't. How the Westboro Baptist Church, which, by the way, has a gym at its front door, has adopted the Jigglypuff as their mascot, uh, telling people to Pokemon Go and sin no more. Ha ha. Very clever, morons. Looking at the Jigglypuff, it, it kind of looks a little gay for the Westboro Baptist Church. I, yeah, I know. I know. I totally would have expected them to have the Diglet. Because <laughs> it looks like a turd. Oh, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so someone else came out with a trolling article saying that the iOS version of Pokemon Go was unlocking people's full Google profile to Niantic Labs and basically allowing them to mine all your data from Google. And various news outlets picked up on this. And even as I'm seeing this spread across everywhere, I'm going, that's crap. I I like how you said various. I think what you meant is all of them. So, yeah. Everyone takes the story and runs with it. Except for the fact it was all false. And even the person who originally wrote the blog post that pointed this out, said there was actually probably very little chance this was actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and not like this, oh, it's probably not likely happening. No, he meant, no, it actually probably isn't actually capable of doing it. And it turns out it wasn't. It wasn't in the slightest. Niantic used the wrong certificate when it pushed the iOS client. So it asked for access to everything. When, and that one was actually already expired anyway. They rolled out a new client with the corrected certificate that asks just for access to your location and location history and camera. And camera, yeah. Which, you know, hey, by the way, for an augmented reality GPS-based game, kind of needs. Furthermore, they also clarified, even when we had that, the game isn't actually built in any way to grab any Google information other than your username and your device ID. Yeah. And if anyone doesn't believe that or thinks that I'm just buying into the conspiracy, answer me this. Why would a former Google company have a different set of permissions for the Android device as opposed to the iOS device? So they can screw over all the iOS users. I guess. (laughs) If they operated that way, they'd already have all the information. Yeah. I mean, I I thought it was ridiculous, but the thing that really bothered me is how the press ran with it, and Google immediately and Niantic immediately come out and say, no, this isn't accurate. Here's the situation. You never heard that from the press. No, no. I mean, I mean freaking Ars Technica ran with it. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and it just drove me nuts. And they ran with it for days. For I was seeing this. This was like the number one story that I saw on Facebook for like four days. And my mom actually messaged me and said, hey, are you playing Pokemon? I said, of course I'm playing Pokemon. She said, well, you know it steals all your stuff. I'm like, okay, first of all, that was iOS. Second of all, no, it doesn't. And I had to explain it to her. She went ahead and installed it. She's in her 60s, and she's playing Pokemon. Cultural <laughs> phenomena. So um, also making good use of this phenomenon are hackers, they claim. <laughs> it's so hard to, to initiate a, a distributed denial of service attack. You have to have so, much lead hack skill. Uh, so yes, their hacksaws are just huge. Um, so a group called Armine has been claiming that they're the ones who are responsible for Pokemon Go's um, problems accessing the servers. They say that they've been slamming the logins with the distributed denial of service attack, which we're familiar with because it's what Anonymous is used. Um, but specifically over the weekend, I just told every, told you how it was hard to log in through parts of Saturday. And today, I guess, they were having problems as well. I believe that this is BS. I call solid BS on this. And the reason I call solid BS on it is because of everything we've just gotten done talking about. More people are using this than Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and or porn. And what did they do? Bring on another 26 countries in the last few days? Yeah, twenty. Yeah, right here, twenty six countries added to the game this weekend. So, guess what? Yeah, the login might be a bit spotty, and even then, even at the worst times over this weekend when it was spotty, I gave it ten minutes and then I logged in. Yeah. So good job, Armine. I guess. Well, I think the interesting thing about this is they're saying that they're doing it to promote stronger security. It's three three high school kids, I guess. And they're trying to say and they're saying that if they didn't hack celebrities and uh attack popular games, someone else would. And so they're just doing it to try and bring attention so that they can That's like saying, "Hey, look, if I didn't burn the school down, how would you know it wasn't made out of fire?" susceptible materials yeah i mean that's stupid and the cool thing is they're doing it to try and get business and they're charging anywhere from 30 dollars to five grand for their services for what i mean you install a program you type in a few numbers and you press go i mean (laughs) it's not like they're taking control of machines and have this giant botnet that they're controlling yeah so uh good job losers (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's also another group called poodle corp that is trying to knock the game off as well so um yeah these these people suck Mm -hmm. uh let's go into some more nintendo news and this is uh we'll be bringing up again later um this i honestly thought was an april fool's joke Okay, I'm just going to throw this out here right now. This is my favorite for the week, so we can just skip my favorite at the end. We'll talk about it now. Nintendo's Classic Mini is a tiny NES, and it's got 30 games built in. Now, we've seen this happen with like the Atari 2600, and I've got a couple different Sega Genesis units that have different games on them. Uh, but this is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so... There's some problems with classic console gaming or classic gaming in general on modern technology, okay? Most games were built to be at a 640 by 480 resolution. They're actually hard-coded to it. Emulators try and get around this, but modern emulators are running at a speed that was unimaginable when the game was first created. So you have oversampling where the screen is just the refresh rates off or the frames per second are off or the resolution is way too high for what the game was meant to do. Or maybe the game is at its native 640 by 480, which means it's a tiny square in the center of your TV. Um, Generally, if the CPU clock is off compared to what the game was originally coded for, 
you run into all sorts of other problems. So for instance, I remember playing a N64 emulator on my Xbox, and I was playing Mortal Kombat Annihilation, no, uh, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Okay, and I couldn't ma- I couldn't time any of my jumps or any of my combos because I was so used to playing it on the N64, which had a different CPU than my Xbox did. Mm. Also, many of those games were built to go out on an RF connection, which means you'd be running through like four or five different adapters to get them into a modern television set. So who better to make an emulator than Nintendo? And this thing has HDMI out. This thing's awesome. $60 gets you your childhood, basically. Uh, Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, Final Fantasy, Metroid, uh, Castlevania 1 and 2, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Double Dragon 2, uh, Pac-Man, Punch-Out. That's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, Tecmo Bowl. I don't even know how many hours I spent playing that game. And then, of course, Super Mario 1, 2, and 3. That's now, just see, I'm, awesome. I'm excited for this, but you know what I really want? I want one of these for the Sega Genesis and one of these for the N64. That, well, they've got Genesis ones. They've, they've got a couple different versions. Like this, though? Made I, by Sega. And made, I, ooh, I don't know if it's made by Sega or not. But I, I think that they use RCA connections as well, not HDMI. Hmm. Well... All I know is this is this just made it onto almost everyone's wish list. Oh yeah, and sixty bucks—that's wow. I mean, it comes with an HDMI cable. You go to the store and you're paying sixty bucks for an HDMI cable. Yeah, sure. So buy an HDMI cable, and it comes with a free Nintendo console. Exactly. That's a win-win-win. It really is. Um, in other video game news, other vintage video game news, so someone has been working on this off and on for like 20 years, and they finally have done it. They have cracked the Sega Saturn's DRM. Oh, you don't know what the Sega Saturn is. You're that young? <laughs> Get off my lawn. So immediately after the Sega Genesis... You had the Sega Genesis Sega CD, which was an attachment for the side of the Genesis. And then you had the 32X, which plugged into the top of the Genesis. And then, eventually, they came out with the Sega Saturn. The Sega Saturn came out about the same time as the PlayStation. And for all intents and purposes, it had better hardware. Like, by far. It was a quantum leap in hardware. But... The DRM for it was so hard to get around, and programming for it was so incredibly difficult that it never really took off in terms of games, which is one of the big reasons why the Sega Play, Sony PlayStation really surprised everyone and took off. I still remember the Dreamcast, um, or sorry, the, the Sega Saturn, well, and Dreamcast, they brought it up again, uh, commercial. Where they're like, you know, they're, they're doing a side-by-side comparison of the two. And then they say, you know, fly, plaything, fly. And they drop a, a PlayStation off the side of a building. And everyone's thinking, oh, look at this upstart. Look at Sony trying to break into the, the gaming industry. This is ridiculous. See, I lived in South Africa uh, during this time. So I never got to play a Sega Saturn. Uh, I, and I didn't see any of the commercials for the PlayStation until it had been out for a while. Hey, Zoner. Yeah? Welcome to the next level. I know. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I remember, though, I'd been back in the country for about 24 hours, and I sat down, put Resident Evil in my my brother's PlayStation, and thought, what the crap is this? I'm going to die. And I, like, immediately turned it off and played Madden. I remember playing the first Mortal Kombat, the very first one. You know, where they have some kind of blood disease where the blood evaporates the instant you barely touch someone. (laughs) And I'm thinking, man, graphics are never going to get past this point. We've hit like the ultimate critical mass in terms of video game performance. (laughs) I just remember getting yelled at by my mom for playing that on my Genesis because I didn't turn the blood off. Because you ripped out someone's spine as Sub-Zero and traumatized your sister? Yeah, it was it was brutal. So, 
The problem is, is that now people want to keep these games. They want to almost save them for posterity, almost like an archive. And you can't do that when the game is DRM protected and can't be read on anything except for the aging hardware that may or may not exist anymore. So this guy's been working on it, and he's finally cracked it, which is impressive because it's impressive on multiple fronts. One, that he was able to do it. Two, that Sega's DRM structure was so incredibly difficult to crack and three that anyone was still working on this at all i gotta admit if it were me i would have given up oh i probably would too and it all boiled down to how the disc wobbled when it was in the machine i mean that's freaking that's genius that's like evil genius level mm-hmm. sega was known for that <laughs> No, no, no. Not joking. I think I brought it up on this show before. No, you have. You have. The, X, the X-Men game. D- d- have I brought this up? You may have. Refresh okay. our listeners. Though. Okay, so the X-Men game for the Sega Genesis. You're trapped in the dungeon, in the danger room. A computer virus has taken over the danger room and it won't let you out. And now the game is actually like dangerous. It's actually going to kill you. So you have to get to the end of this particular level, and it's like the fourth level in the game. Find the control panel and reset the computer. Well, my brother and I play this game like nonstop for a month trying to get to the end of that level to get to the panel. Finally, we get to the panel and nothing's working. The game is crapped out on us. There's nothing to hit. There's nothing to punch. There's nothing to jump on. There's no enemies. There's no timer. There's nothing. There's just looping 16-bit music and our two characters jumping around on screens like on screen like an idiot. We do that for an hour. Before my brother, who is at this point like six, has the bright idea, and it it requires this level of non-linear thinking, well, they said we have to reset the computer. Yeah? There's a reset button on the Genesis. Yeah, no, we can't do that. If we do that, we lose all of our progress. Right, but is there anything else? Do you see anything else to reset? No? Let's try it. We did it. And instead of coming up to the Sega boot-up screen... The game relaunches and says, congratulations, virus purged, danger room reset. (laughs) This is the kind of diabolical evil thinking that Sega had working for them. Oh, my gosh. How many people, like, just gave up the game at that point? There's still forum boards. You can reach it right now on Google. You can search it right now. And there are still people who are discovering this because of Reddit, because of people like me who actually went through it and beat the game. That is awesomely evil. It's horribly evil. It's diabolical. It really is. We didn't have Google then. That's like a private island in the shape of a skull evil. It is. And I'm sitting there like about to have a heart attack as we're hitting reset on about six hours worth of work. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Um, let's leave gaming news. Let's go to fun news. Fun, confusing news. We like Netflix, right? Yes. Netflix is great. You know what's better than Netflix? 1080 Netflix. That's Netflix in full high definition. Yes. You know what's surprising about Netflix in 1080? That it doesn't work on all the browsers? Yeah. It's 2016. Kind of funny that, right? It is. In fact, in fact, there's only one browser it actually works on. Now, if you're not familiar with this, if you haven't used Netflix in this way, most people do it on a phone or a tablet or on a Roku or on a smart TV of some sort. Or if you have an app on your computer, you do it that way as well. But, of course, you can do it the old school way, which is to log in on your browser. But it turns out all but one browser limit you to 720. There's only one browser that allows you to go to full 1080, and it's strangely Microsoft Edge. Yeah, I find that really interesting because at my last job, we watched a lot of Netflix, and we'd, we'd have it set for full HD, but apparently full HD isn't really full HD if you're using Google Chrome. Technically, 720 is HD. Yeah, but is it full HD? No. It is not the H-iest of the D. It, it's, like, it's like lowercase HD. Right. 
It's HD's little brother. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. Okay. So, um, this is really interesting, I think. I don't know if it's the plugin they're using. I don't know how they've optimized it. I don't know if this is some kind of uh, agreement that Microsoft and Netflix has, though honestly, I think that's the least likely of it. But for all the crap people give Microsoft and their browsers, it doesn't surprise me that Edge is actually built to handle this because it's the only browser of the bunch of them that is built only to work with more modern interfaces. Yeah, I find that very surprising, especially with Google being this quote-unquote cutting-edge tech company. Well, the problem is is that um, Google is now stuck at the same part where... Microsoft was. They've been around for long enough that they now have to support some legacy stuff. Yeah. And that's how Microsoft has been for forever. Only now, Microsoft says, okay, yeah, but screw it. Yeah, they kind of have, haven't they? With, like, getting rid of IE and discontinuing support for Windows XP. I know, sorry, I we're early adopters, apparently. But, um... Yeah, Microsoft has just kind of said, look, technology moves forward. We can't keep living in the past, and you got to respect them for that. I mean, case in point right now, open up Microsoft Edge. If you're on Windows 10, open up Microsoft Edge and just search Bing, I know, search it for just speed test. And you know the first thing that pulls up? It's not speedtest.net. It's an actual in-browser, in-search engine speed test. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. Holy I, I just did it. I mean, they're... For all the crap people give them, and I won't lie, rightfully so, They, I think they've learned from their uh, previous mistakes and are right there on the cutting edge now. I find it interesting, though. My download speed's only about half of what, I, what it should be. That's okay. My upload speed is 10 above what I should actually ever have. <laughs> my upload speed's about where it should be mm-hmm. um, let's move into Nest Nest the thermostat company and carbon monoxide company and smoke detector company and indoor camera company have announced an outdoor camera finally that they're taking pre-orders for now I say finally like they're really behind the times they're not I'm not saying it for that reason I'm saying it because I think this is more useful than an indoor camera. I concur. I have one gripe with this, though. What's that? I would want this to be completely wireless. And there is a big old fat wire running right down the bottom of this thing. I could see that. I could see that. I would say wires or wireless. I I think it should have the option. Yeah. I do not like that big, ugly wire. And now, there, what is it? One ninety nine for a camera. You know, if you look at like your outdoor security systems, you can go to Home Depot or Sam's Club or whatever, and you can get like a three camera system for three, four hundred bucks. That's wireless. And Nest is not the only one doing this, though. Ubiquity with their Unify video, same price. Yeah, I, I in fact, expect, most of these. I would expect more for the money, though. I I think this is the Internet of Things premium that they're adding to it. Now, what I want is I want a camera that is perfectly suited for motion sensing, for DVRing, for infrared, so I can put it on my front porch, and when people approach the door, it automatically starts recording, and I can catch people who are stealing my packages. Yeah. No one is. But, uh, but if they do, when I okay, so I had some stuff delivered to my home this week, and we should talk about that here. We should skip our other headlines, and you and I should talk about that here on the air. But I got some packages in, and they weren't cheap. They they were um, they were pricey, and no one was home, and they're just sitting out there unprotected on there. It's like I would have given anything to be able to open up a web browser, type in my address, see them there, and just watch them on the front porch. I and had if anyone, the same thing happen to me this week, too. Yeah, probably for the same thing. Um, and if anyone had come up and taken them, been able to get a motion sensing notification and take a picture. And a lot of systems can do that. 
And I think Nest is one of them. And that's why having an outdoor camera is just, just, it's time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. I agree. Um, let's blow through some of these things so we can get to our, uh, our other thing here. Um, people are stupid in the middle East. <laughs> I think you just got a fatwa put on us. Thanks, man. NSA now ISIS. So some people who are relatives of those killed in Israeli Palestine attack are suing Facebook because they're saying Facebook facilitated Hamas and coordinate and allowed this attack to happen. These people are idiots. I feel for them. I don't mean to make light of their loss or of the entire peace problem in the Middle East in general. However, this is stupid. Uh, I, I, so if they were, if Hamas was texting the information, would they be suing the phone companies? What about the phone manufacturer? What about the factory that made the phone? Uh, if they were using IRC, do they go back and sue AOL? You know, if they were using smoke signals, do they sue the person who made the blanket to help them shape the smoke? The problem with communication people is that it can be used for anything and you don't hold the communication line accountable for it. Because if you do, you're basically telling the communication line, hey, by the way, I'm fine with you constantly monitoring everything we do on this just in case someone decides to use it for nefarious means. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. As much as I don't like a lot of what Facebook does, I like even less the idea that they monitor every single thing that I do. On the off chance that you might be tangentially talking about a terrorist attack. Yes. I know that sounds horrible. And with everything that happened in Nice, France this week, and everything that's been happening in the world the past few months and years, it's an unpopular stance to take. But it's the wrong one. And these people are idiots for suing Facebook. We will be the unpopular opinion puff and meme for your for your day here. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, we're asking to be like China. China has decided the best way to see what people are browsing on the internet: infect the browser. Shouldn't yeah. this have been the first thing they tried to do? Uh, one would think. One, I mean, that seems to be the easiest way. Heck, that's what that's what I did f- for my kids when they first started going on. Yeah. Yeah, you put the special browser on that watches everything. Hey, good job, China. Um, however, we can't mock them too much. The Chinese hackers hacked into the FDIC. If that sounds familiar. It's because that's the branch of the government that insures your bank. Yeah. And then the awesome thing is the FDIC CIO covered it up. Well, he misled auditors. He covered it up. Yeah, he covered it up. <laughs> um. Okay, so... Two, we have a, another headline in there. We won't even get into it because it's just more hacking news, and I'm so freaking tired of that. But we have two other things to cover here real fast first. First off, Ghostbusters. Um, Zoner has not seen it. We'll just say I've seen it. We'll just go with that. It's the simplest explanation. People need to stop hating on it. It's getting good reviews. Well, here's the thing. It's not, but it is. But it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's getting like 50-50 reviews on Metacritic and on Rotten Tomatoes and everything. And people, and the detractors, the naysayers are saying, oh, well, that's just proof it sucks. But people who go and see it come out of it and say, no, it was fun. It was good. Here's the thing, people. Do you not remember what summer movies are? Name for me one good summer movie. And I don't mean good like you enjoyed it. I mean like objectively good. Guardians of the Galaxy was the last one that came out late in the summer that I can recall off the top of my head that just everybody But was it objectively good? I'm not disagreeing with you, but someone who isn't into that type of movie, would they sit there and watch it and go, yeah, that was a good movie? Maybe not. Although Ant-Man came out, what was it, last year, about this time. 
And even my wife liked Ant-Man, and she's not real big into those. The last movie that I can look at and say, yes, it was good on every level, was Road to Perdition. Tom Hanks' crime movie uh, takes place in the 30s. Really, really a graphic novel, by the way. Yeah, yes, yes, it was. Very out-of-character role for him. And the only reason it was so good was because it was supposed to come out in September and got pushed back to July. It wasn't even a summer movie. Okay, People are forgetting that summer movies are supposed to be brainless. They're enjoyable. Any movie that's come out in the summer that you look back and you say, I loved that movie. Let's be honest. Most of them are not objectively good. You just enjoyed them. And that's fine. The original Ghostbusters was that way. Independence Day was that way. Men in Black was that way. Not two and not three, but the first Men in Black. Yeah. You know, these movies aren't remembered because they're excellent movies. They're remembered because they made us have fun. And this movie is fun. It will not be remembered as one of the greats. It won't. But it's fun. And that's the only reason why I like the original Ghostbusters. Now, the burning question that people are probably asking, it is not a continuation of the previous ones. Even though one of the trailers makes it sound like it is, it's not. There's Easter eggs. There's throwbacks to the other one. At one point, you see the firehouse. You know, they're, they're looking for a place to stay. And, hey, this firehouse happens to be available. Well, what's the rent? Oh, it's like $21,000 a month. I'm like, screw that. <laughs> you know, so there's little throwbacks like that, but it is its own movie. It's its own continuity. It's not a reboot. It's more of a reimagining. And in that way, it's actually okay. It's really good. Nice. So, yeah, I, I'm actually kind of excited to go see it. I, I'd really like to check it out. So all the people who are saying that suddenly we're apologists or social justice warriors, it's not the case. Like I said, it's not a great movie, but it's a really fun movie. Which is all you can ask for, is to go to the movies and be entertained. Mm-hmm. Go see it on a matinee. You're fine. The second thing we wanted to talk about, and we've been talking about it off and on for the past few episodes, Zoner just got it, set it up. He's using it right now. The Eero. The Eero. Yeah, I've had it up and running now for about uh, 36 hours. Uh, well, you should, tell, you should remind listeners. And uh, what this is, is it's basically a Wi-Fi system. Uh, I think it's... It's got a router routing functionality in it, but it's also kind of just extenders for your Wi-Fi. So I don't know the best way to to describe it, but it creates a blanket of Wi-Fi over your home. In the commercial world, we would call this a wireless mesh. Yes. What it is is it's a a base station which acts as a router and communicates with satellite stations or what they call leaves. And creates a wireless mesh. So each access point has two sets of radios. One set communicates back with the base station. And the other set communicates with your device. Yeah, this, I, was, I was trying to be simple on it. But yeah, that's... Yeah. This is something that has existed in the professional world. In the, you know, in the enterprise grade stuff for years. Very long time. Yeah. But it's just now coming to the, 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 the prosumer as it were. Yes, and if you recall, I had originally purchased a competitor of Eero, the Luma, which completely botched their rollout, and so I canceled my order, and uh, Eero picked me up and dusted me off and said, hey, we'll price match. And I've been very happy with it. i got to say, I did run into problems with the setup, but it's not because of the Eero itself. It was. It's a little because well, of the Eero. It is a little bit, but it's uh, my ISP requires specific configuration. It requires PPPoE, and Eero does not yet support that. And so, when I was putting my my uh, modem router into bridge mode, it's a combination unit does both things. When I put it into bridge mode, I could no longer connect to the internet because the Eero did not have the ability to do that PPPoE. Which is a huge oversight. PPPoE, uh, if you have DSL of any sort, you require PPPoE. Yes. And every other router on the market supports it. 
Yes. And it is coming. Uh, I found a thread on Reddit where they said that it is coming. They just haven't gotten it yet. Uh, but I was able to set up my kids' profiles on it, assign their devices to them. And at 9 o'clock tonight, my 11-year-old daughter comes to me, hands me her phone, and says, my Wi-Fi stopped working. And I looked, and it said, oh, your Wi-Fi is paused until 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it works. The functionality that's there is really good. Uh, there's still functionality that I'm missing that I know they're working on, but I have a feeling that you give this device three to six months and it's going to be freaking smoking. It's, it's great. And my download speeds, I was, I was getting, uh, 70 down on Wi-Fi earlier tonight, which I've never got 70 down on Wi-Fi. Now, on the flip side of that, I decided to go with the enterprise route because I've often been the proponent of just doing that. I ended up spending the full price of Zoner's setup. He got it at the price match. If you contact uh, Eero, you will not get it at that price. You will not. I spent two forty nine on it, including shipping. Yeah. The, uh, the normal list price is close to $500. Yeah. Um, for $200 less than that, I bought my Ubiquiti setup. And because it is an enterprise one, it requires a lot more knowledge to set up. It's not nearly as easy, but once it's set up, I have more features than Zoner has, more capabilities, and more range. I can be on Wi-Fi like four houses away from my home. And that's just because I went a little bit overkill. I'm probably pissing off the neighbors with my <laughs> Wi-Fi strength. <laughs> They're all old widows. I don't. I doubt they even know what a Wi-Fi is. Uh, they're going to have you come troubleshoot their microwave windows. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, in fact, my Wi-Fi is so strong, it's probably interfering with their microwaves instead of vice versa. <laughs> so it's... Uh, we just kind of wanted to give a follow-up on what we've been talking about. The wireless mesh works for Zoner. You were telling me it was super easy to set up those uh, access points. Oh, it was really easy. You know, I I spent a little bit of time trying to get past the bridging issue. Uh, I'm currently running a double NAT situation, uh, which I'm not a real fan of, but I'll deal with it until, until the next firmware update fixes the stuff that I need. And... You look at it, and it took me maybe five minutes to set up the other two access points. I mean, it was super, super simple. Mine was not. Not super, super simple in the slightest. But it was a lot cheaper and a lot more capable. But if anything were to happen to me, if my plane goes down, if I'm hit by a bus, my family basically can't operate the (laughs) Wi-Fi. Yeah, and I actually showed my wife tonight. I installed the app on her phone, and I said, okay, this is how you do this. And granted, I didn't go into any of the advanced networking things or, you know, don't config, don't mess with the DHCP configuration. I, I didn't do any of that. But I, I showed her how to do the basic stuff with it, and she's like, okay, this is easy. And she's not technical at all. She's kind of technical. She's a, little, a nurse. She is a little bit. but She's technical enough she can jab a needle into you and not kill you. I can't do that. No, I can't either. And she's pretty good, too. So. Yeah. It's, it's the nurse equivalent of rebooting you. Um, <laughs> into our favorites. Zoner's already covered his favorite. Uh, any other words you want to add to it? No, it's awesome. I, I hope to get one for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, mine is a YouTube video from... Um, Oh, geez. Low-carb comedy. That's right. That's the name. I've, I've had a couple of their videos on here before. They have the Big Head parody where they take scenes from a movie and do a real masterful job of putting their own heads, big heads, over the tops of what it is they're parodying and redoing entire bits of the movie that way. And they do Independence Day. And this is kind of a throwback to what I was talking about earlier with the summer movies not making much sense not being great movies, but just being fun. And if anyone is so young they don't remember just how dumb any of the Will Smith-era summer movies were, just watch this parody, because it touches on all of them. (laughs) And I mean that. Because we start in Independence Day, and we go into Men in Black, and we go into Getting Jiggy With It, and 
I mean, it's just an entire era that you kids missed out on. And then you guys get start complaining that your summer movies aren't the best movies in all of creation. Get off my lawn. And on that note... <laughs> <laughs> if you have any feedback for us, let us know. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook. And until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.